This program is brought to you by P1 Australia Racing Components, the designer of the oil heat mats for dry sump tank applications. Find out more about the truths on engine oil heating at p1australia.com. Thunder Media. Hi, I'm Chas Mostert. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. And you're listening to Inside Supercars. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. On this episode of Inside Supercars, we ask the question of what is the value of a supercars driver? How does a driver provide more to a team than just the collection of trophies? And is that as important or more important than being the fastest on the track? So listen, young fellas and, and ladies, um, this is not just about driving around in circles. We hear from former driver Jason Barguana, current supercar star David Reynolds, his manager John Rojero, Walkinshaw Andretti United team principal Bruce Stewart and former Tickford Racing and now Supercars media manager Mick Robinson who all provide the driver's value from their points of view. And it all starts now. David Reynolds has won the Peter Brock Trophy at Bathurst and has over 400 races under his belt in a supercars career of 14 years at the top level in the sport in Australia. There are a lot of factors that a team considers when they are looking at a driver. Well, yeah, there's um, obviously being fast is paramount. You've got to be fast to keep your job. But obviously there's a whole other things that happen in the background. So, you know, your commercial, you know, attractability, I suppose. So, how easy are you to sell to the sponsors? Um, do you bring sponsors? That's another big question. You know, a lot of teams, you know, it's very, very hard to get sponsorship. So if you can bring someone with you, that, you know, ticks the box. Um, are you a positive person to work with? What's your feedback like in the car? Are you really good at feedback? Do you work with the engineers and the data engineers to get the most out of the car? Um, yeah, there's a whole bunch of stuff that... I suppose encompasses you as a driver, but that's all forgotten about if you're the fastest person in the world. Jason Bagwana joined the Supercars series in 1997 after working his way up through the ranks of Australian motorsport. He says the pathway to the top of Australian motorsport has changed significantly since that time. Team owners were looking for young talent and, and giving opportunities to young guys, particularly in um, endurance races and things. When we saw days of Bathurst with 60 cars, you'd find some key drivers in good spots and then some young guys getting a go with, with more business-like owners or, or gentlemen drivers. And that, that led then to some of those guys eventually finding their way into the main game and, and getting to show their value. So even at, even at a privateer level, the, the, a good driver has a high value and I'd, I'd suggest that you know we're not talking numbers here but in terms of what they can bring to a team it's it, there's a 70 percent you know influence on what they can do in in the team so in 2000 jason barguana drove his gary rogers commodore to victory at bathurst with garth tander and he says the hurdles young drivers face are still as difficult today as they have ever been Absolutely, this business is about finding a way to get through the, the politics, uh, the commercial elements, understanding how to drive the car, how to extract the most out of it, and of course, um, the, the money that's involved in the sport. 
the value, look, it, it, it depends what category you're talking. I mean, you know, at some point you're looking at supercars, guys who can get to a point where they're on seven-figure contracts. Um, there's not many of them these days. So there's definitely, um, when you see some names like um, SVG and Shane and those guys, they have a value because not only can they deliver results, they've got a profile in the marketplace that, that the commercial partners then can leverage from. So that value um, goes up and down depending on exactly what position you are. Bagwana believes that while there have been massive technical changes in motorsport, the business is fundamentally still the same and getting to the top has not changed. There are still different ways to commercially manage being a professional racing driver. Motor racing hasn't changed for a long time. <laughs> it's still the same, but the numbers certainly do change in the way we go about business. Even back in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s, um, drivers either put together packages, they understood the, the, the dynamic of sponsorship. And as sponsorship obviously has developed over time, um, different drivers come have, have different packages and different ideas on how they go about business. In today's environment, whether it be Formula One or supercars or TCR or S5000 or whatever category you're talking about, there's still that element clearly um, that there's a commercial element to it that means that as a driver, you need to have an understanding of both the business of the sport, um, how to bring the deals together to make it work, and of course, you've got to be able to drive the race car. So how do you put an actual number on that value? I think it's a very hard one, but clearly... Um, and, and I've seen it, I've experienced myself in Europe, that the more talent, the speed, the, the faster you are, the less probably the financial commitment that you require to bring. But even in Europe these days, the fastest kids on the planet still end up having to bring budgets and sponsorship, and, and that's just how the sport works now. Bruce Stewart is the team principal of Walkinshaw Andretti United, and he believes that being fast is only part of the package that a supercars driver brings to the table. You know, clearly there are a lot of attributes that make a great driver. Uh, one is the pure talent, and there's no doubt that everyone in the Supercars Championship is elite talented. You know, they uh, they all have um, succeeded in their way to get to this position in Supercars. But equally, there are other attributes that you bring along uh, that add to the um, baking, so to speak. And it's really important for the teams because this is a commercial sport. Uh, this is an expensive sport, and we have a lot of partners sponsors and indeed fans who expect a lot from their drivers so it's not just jump in the car and get out and go and hide in the truck there's a lot of work that goes on in between and there's a lot that the driver brings to the table. Mitch Robinson is now the supercar media manager but he spent five years as the public relations manager at Tickford Racing and he explains some of those off-track responsibilities. Yeah, outside of the car the, the drivers have plenty of commitments as you know, not just uh, as part of the team from helping with developing car setup and things on the competition side, but they're also, you know, essentially the face of all of the you know, commercial partners involved with their entry as well. So there's a lot of different commitments outside of that, uh, outside of the car, so I guess is better to say. Uh, you know, stuff with working with uh, partners, doing other things required of the team on the media and commercial side of things, uh, you know, it, it is a full-time job actually so the guys and girls uh, do get kept plenty busy when they're not uh behind the wheel but uh they get to have plenty of fun driving a race car on the weekend so i guess it makes up for it of course david reynolds enjoys the driving but he reveals how small a percentage it is of his overall workload so what percentage would it be with all this uh sponsorship commitments all the debriefs and pre-reefs and all the stuff you do you're probably driving i don't know 10 percent of the time and the rest of the time you're talking about it or talking to people about it 
I've never sat down and really tried to mathematically work it out. Fortunately, David's manager, John Rahero of Push Talent, has put a figure on the amount of driving time over the rest of their professional racing career that it actually is. Well, I always say to my drivers that you're in a race car for probably not even 1% of your, your life every year. You know, um, you're not in your, your your suit every day either. It's only a matter of hours every year. So all the other time is critical uh, to develop your business as a brand, as a personality. That's right. You know, we spend all our time is developing their brand and managing their brand and their visibility, their relationships, um, all the back end. People don't understand that every driver has to run their own business. They're all generally contracted. So they've got to run their own company um, as a motorsport uh, specialist, you know, as a racer. That's their business. So they've got to manage or with their management, their brand, their business, their accounts, their finances, their licenses, their registrations, their insurances, um, their IP, you know, managing uh, the, the way they're, uh, they're being represented across social media. Uh, there's plenty of time. It's, it's more than a full-time job just managing um, a driver when you think about all the um, support that needs to go into managing sponsorships um, and all those assets like websites and yeah, social media. So there's plenty of things to do. So if motor racing is a business, does being fastest mean you'll be the most valuable to a team? David Reynolds? I suppose, you know, being the fastest is good but you know, you know how you look after tire in the race that's not always the fastest way well it's the fastest way over the distance but it's not going to make you the fastest lap time jason bagwana again look i still believe a lot that talent um in this business shines through uh to to, to enable your talent to be displayed it's it's a long hard road it's a, it's work and it's about work ethic and talent what I refer to talent, it's not necessarily about your ability to drive around in the circle fast. It's it's the ability to, you know, pull the team together behind you to get the results you require to be able to develop the car in the direction you need. That, that's the sort of talent that I'm talking about. So I still believe that the best, the best of the best are still in our pit lanes at the moment, doing what they do. But look, it's a bit, I think it's a bit grey as to where the, the new talent's coming through and how it gets to, to be shown and displayed. So that that I think may change over the next couple of years and we'll see where it goes. So how does a team measure the driver's real value to them? Here's Bruce Stewart. Well, you know, certainly there are um, ways that we evaluate it internally and that's uh, no doubt by working closely with the partners and indeed, importantly, the major partners on those cars. Um, And certainly we get a lot of external reports from the Yarda driver favourability and likability, but I I guess... um, for all the hardcore racers out there, there's one thing that makes a driver really popular, and that's success and winning and being on the podium as often as they can. And that uh, tends to migrate those people, whether they're uh, hot, cold, or in the middle, uh, to the top of the popularity stake. Um, of course, there are other things that we look at and other things that partners look at, but I'd have to say that um, success is a, a real uh, proving ground and litmus test for any driver in any race team. John Rohero says a manager has a different list of qualities that he has to consider. Well, I'd, I'd put value on uh, the person's brand profile and the uh, uh, the relationships that the driver uh, comes with and the, dri- uh, the relationship the driver uh, can 
maintain and sustain within a team environment. How does he put that intangible value into a tangible figure? Um, from my point of view, I do it with uh, with David um, based on endorsements and personal sponsorships that uh, uh, drivers in in our sport can have. And you know, if you look at other sports like you know Aussie Rules Footy or rugby, um, those guys also have uh, personal endorse- endorsements. But the difference is those guys in those sports don't have the capacity or of, of assets that can carry their um, partners or sponsors' brand, and which is what makes motorsport so unique. So the drivers can use himself as a, a billboard to promote partners, but. Coming up after the break, we explore the driver contract and what they have to do for their teams and themselves. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. And, you know, every, every year I see Jackie Stewart at the Grand Prix and I just remind myself of, of his part in, in starting the, the path to safer cars. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Jack Brabham certainly left his mark not only on Australian motorsport but motorsport all around the world. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. With your professional racing driver contract to your team in place, you're all set to start driving. But wait, you're expected to promote your team sponsors on a regular basis even when you are not at a racetrack. David Reynolds talks about what drivers have to do for their team. Obviously, every every driver has their own contract with their team, which is completely different. There's no standardised form. So you might sign on to a team and say, you know, we expect 40 appearances for our sponsors a year, which is only really 40 days of extra work when you think about it. But you always end up doing way more but you never really talk about it. It's just like a, a thing written into the contract and no one really keeps track or score of it. So um, it could be endless. You know, before Bathurst, I did like 40 appearances in four days in 2018. So, you know, they can keep you as busy as they want or as you know limited as they want. For Bruce Stewart... How he manages the situation where the driver doesn't want to do a lot of promotional activity for the team. Well, I think uh, firstly, when you uh, contract drivers, you have those hard discussions up front. How much can a team ask of their drivers to promote their sponsors? Mitch Robinson shares his experiences from Tickford Racing. Different contracts have different stipulations on things like that of you know days that they might be committed to being away uh, from home or on the road or or otherwise, but um, you know, it's more of an as needed. And even in those instances, I uh, would imagine in most cases that you know, from a team side, teams don't come close to, to having them on the road all the time or doing things that are unreasonable in terms of time commitment. So it's, uh, you know, a lot of times it's really when the drivers are around the workshop, uh, which they come in, in a lot of cases will come in you know, fairly regularly, especially the ones that live in the same town as their race team. And you make you, and they're made use of at those times when they're in there. So it's, yeah, anything we, that can be done uh, on various different levels to you know, help maximize their their use, if if that makes sense, to you know, create additional value for partners, to continue engaging with fan bases, um, you know, anything to continue, just demonstrate, you know, like I said, their their value outside of the car and things that they can contribute outside of 
you know, turning left and right on a racetrack. David Reynolds explains what a race weekend schedule looks like to a driver. Um, at the racetrack, you know, our day is mapped out like in 15-minute blocks over the entire day. So, you know, a, a small appearance or a signing session might be 15 minutes to an hour, and we might have a few of those spread out the day. Plus, we've got to drive the car, do the practice sessions, qualify the car, and before and after every session, you have about half an hour to really think about what are we doing out there and then about half an hour after the session to think about what happened and what are we going to do for the next one so you know it's the the scheduling is really important and it's mapped out within every 15 minute blocks so really the only time you get to think about it is probably half an hour before every every session you go into it's not a lot of time away from the track can be negotiated to an extent but what about at the track how does WAU manage a race weekend to ensure the commercial side of the business doesn't impact their performance on the racetrack? You protect your drivers from key uh, performance times and pre and post uh, sessions to ensure that they get the opportunity to pre- prepare themselves mentally and then equally debrief properly with their engineers and crew to ensure that we can make another step. So that's part of the role of the team to um segment those periods of time and give the driver the best opportunity to perform equally it is a skill it is a skill for the drivers to be able to switch on switch off and uh, turn up to appearances and be there and be present in the room Um, nothing worse than you know uh, seeing drivers looking at their phones when you're seeing signing sessions or you know they they genuinely might seem distracted and you know for uh, for us that's something we focus on with our guys is to uh, ensure that when they do make an appearance, they're there, they're present, and uh, people get the whole of them rather than a slightly disinterested look away, which um, unfortunately still occasionally happens uh, in other um, motorsports. But um, I think the guys in supercars are pretty skillful and, and good at being in the room. Reynolds has worked with various brands, both commercial, public, retail and business to business. And he says that there are some significant differences on what is required from the driver in each of those relationships. Uh, yeah, so uh, you know, some brands are just mainly for the exposure um, and the logo on the car and to be seen, where other other sponsors, they really want that return on investment, that B2B, that business-to-business um, income they get. So, you know, it's all it's all done differently. Um, every sponsor wants to – you've got to tailor your program to suit the sponsor. Because at the end of the day, the sponsor is paying for the service and you try and manage the service as best you can. Um, but it's – you know, it's, I've had some really good sponsors. I've had well, Every year I've had such beautiful people to work with and I thoroughly enjoy that part of it. It's a really fun part of our job. Uh, it's, it can be the most time-consuming, but it's also can be the most rewarding. So you want to be a professional race driver, but how much do you think a team will pay you? For David Reynolds, a former Bathurst 1000 winner, it's not as much as you might think. Well, it depends. Everyone's got a different driving contract or salary, but lately my personal sponsorships have exceeded my driving, driving salary, but, you know, Every every scenario is quite different. Um, I've spent a lot of time over the last 10, 15 years to really have a really good manager and we work really good together about trying to get our sponsors and service them as much as we can so they stay with me and we tend to we try and grow them into a, 
to a bigger sponsor. Um, the the teams, you know, they'll sort of say this is how much we can afford to pay, and that's really it. There's, there's you know not a lot of you know toing and froing going on between the teams and the drivers. Not that I notice anyway. Um, uh, so yeah, the personal sponsorship side is very is very valuable, and it can be very rewarding, and it can be a lot of fun because you make some really good friendships out of it, and people you'll have you know you'll stay friends with for the rest of your life, hopefully. So. Yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoy that side of it. John Rojero says that a team has a much bigger platform to offer sponsors, but the driver still has some good opportunities. You've got big panels with big brands uh, that can be visible on the car, whereas with a driver, usually their assets on a personal level are you know the brand space that's available on their helmet, sometimes on their race suit. Uh, sometimes you see those brands appearing on um, the driver's belt line or forearms for example but certainly the helmet there's plenty of value there because of the in-car camera and photos and all that sort of stuff so the team asset is worth more and there's more of it uh, compared to a, the team's uh, the driver's personal assets but a sponsor and a brand can get huge value just from the ip of the driver so you know you think about craig Lowndes and tire power and david reynolds and jack's tires or, or a vodafone and you look at it that way there are a number of different models that a driver can use to be a professional racing driver. Jason Barguana has had experience with almost all of them and is now working with his son, Ben, as he builds his own racing career. And I think that's the, the benefit Ben probably has um, in the fact that what I've learnt over the years of getting lots of no's, by the way, um, thinking that it was a sure thing package deal that I'd go to a sponsor with and they just look at you and go, what are you talking about, mate? Um, to the point where we can then really start to understand uh, the value of what we can offer to a, a commercial partner. And at the end of the day, a lot of people got to remember that we do this because we love it. But unless we can actually offer a, a greater return than the demand that we request from the sponsor, then the sponsor's not going to do it. So that's that's advice I give to young people as well. It's not about what you want. It's about understanding what they need. How do you put that together in, and combine the two? So. Um, very fortunate over the years, be it a supercar sponsor or some of the naming rights partners we've had um, throughout our, my career, there have been new sponsors to the sport, people that have never been involved with anyone else. Uh, quite often you bring a new sponsor to the sport and, then, and there's a number of guys lined up the door on the Monday morning trying to steal them. So that's just the nature of our business, I guess. Um, but I, I like we pride ourselves on really looking after our commercial partners and try and develop brand new brands and bring them to the sport. That's one passion that I do have. And, and we've been successful that we're not always successful we, we, we you know we've had sponsors come and go as well and and great commercial partners and in at the moment with Burson auto parts um obviously with our tcr program and what we've done overseas with ben i mean it's amazing to think we can take an australian iconic brand like that and still race overseas and yet be able to deliver great value for them in the country and then obviously with this new partnership with hung char and where we can develop that over the next couple of years Baguana moved from being a driver paid to race a car to a driver who was managing his own career and ensuring he had the ability to race at the top level of sport. But that too has its challenges. Either didn't see their way through or, or teams went broke or um, teams got sold right in the middle of contracts. So uh, I made the conscious decision to start uh, building a package around us in terms of sponsors and sponsorship that we can start controlling a little bit of our own destiny. At one point I did very heavily consider starting our own team or buying a, a wreck in those days, what they were called. 
Um, but the end result was that we didn't have the the business behind us, I guess, to support that. So we then I just kept working on making sure we had enough sponsorship to do what we did. Worked with that and the teams brought packages you know, and, and continue to do that to today. In some cases, some drivers can oversell that sponsorship as well, depending on where they're at. If you're bringing only 30% of the budget, but you've managed to raise over and above that, you can then start putting some money in your pocket and start being a, a paid professional race car driver, just in a different way. It's not like you're signing a team with a contract they pay you weekly. It's a different way of doing deals. Bruce Stewart knows that drivers bringing funding to a team sets up a different dynamic, which may change how they focus on the team's partners. Thankfully, I haven't been in that position um, for, uh, for actually, I can't really remember where I felt that compromise. So I can understand that that might be the position for some drivers. They might bring along a partner, but ultimately um, a partner uh, will feel they want to feel part of the team. When you put your name on a race car, you want to feel part of the journey. You know, you want to share in the success, and that can't be done with just the driver alone. It's got to be a thing that they integrated into the team. So I'm sure the teams that have those people who might bring a partner do their very best to ensure that the partner um, has more than just a relationship with the driver, and I'm sure the driver understands that as well. The driver would understand that unless they're getting the full team experience, um, they might not be getting the full quid uh, of what they can get at a racetrack. But for many young drivers who are always looking for funding to keep their opportunities to move up the motorsport ladder alive, the amount of money they have to find can really vary from category to category. I mean, the, the way we, we look at our um, any of the categories around at the moment, the main game all the way through down the support categories, a lot of drivers are successful in finding enough budget they negotiate to bring 60% of the budget all the way up to 120% of the budget, depending on what it costs and who what their performance is. So a high-level driver can bring you know, 30 or 40% of the budget required to do the job for the weekend. And in some cases, we're talking you know, anywhere between 40 to 50 to $60,000 a weekend, up to some of the numbers they talk about in Super 2, $100,000 a weekend type stuff. So... In some cases, some drivers are bringing 100% of that. That's because of who they are, where they're at. If you can negotiate and you're a stronger position, you might have some sponsors. Uh, you can get that further further down. So that's just the commercial element of what we do. WAU has just announced they're going for a young driver to replace Nick Perkett in 2024. How does a team decide between youth and experience? Every race driver probably goes through that, that, that career development. Um, fortunately for me, I... I had a fantastic career. I was able to get paid to drive race cars and, and did it for a long time. And, um, and you know, even up until the last sort of five or six years, I was still getting paid to drive race cars, which is a nice place to be. Um, throughout your junior career, you're pulling deals together. You're putting $500 sponsorship deals together to get to the next race meeting. To And then, you know, you, you can display your talent. It opens up doors. You get to a point where, yes, you're on a contract. You get paid money. Um, Rojero suggests one of the problems motorsport is facing is that there are not enough personalities in the sport and it's very hard to find people with different traits on the way to the top. But that doesn't mean they still can't find sponsorship. Yeah, I mean, both bring uh, attributes that uh, are attractive to race teams. Um, Certainly experience is something that is earned on the track and certainly brings uh, a whole wealth um, of opportunity to it. 
but equally um, youthful exuberance and uh, what a rookie can bring is uh, sometimes something very different and that uh, equally is valuable to a team, particularly if it's got genuine talent. So I can see teams going both ways in so far, um, particularly if they might have a more junior driver on the other side of the garage, they might try and bring in someone experienced uh, and vice versa. Bruce Stewart has been around the sport long enough to have seen how fast drivers with personality operate. Yeah, it's getting harder and harder to find um, anyone with um, a unique personality. And I think that's a consequence of, you know, kids being told they need to be uh, fit within the box of um, um, compliance, we'll call it. So as a result, I think, you know, you're seeing less and less individuals coming through with, um, um, you know, a unique character. Now, David's one out of the box and every now and then you get him like Chaz, you know, he's a bit, bit larger than life. And, and I think Will Brown's um, a real likable character as well, but they're very hard to find. So um, if they don't have that naturally, you can't fake it. Uh, that's what I've learned. And we don't want to fake it. Um, so you've got to play on their other assets, their other strengths. And some of them are, you know, can be the Clark Kent for a, for a brand like, you know, some banks, for example, or a bank generally doesn't want anyone that's a bit cheeky or risky. They like the conservative type that might look good in a suit and is sharp and very fit and relatively uh, conservative. And that's the fit um, when, 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 when that happens, for example. And other brands like something that's a bit riskier. I mean, look at... Uh, Renee Gracie at the moment, like, you know, there's a fit for certain brands for someone like that. And likewise with Dave, you know, um, he's a bit loose, of course, and takes a chance and some brands like that. So can social skills be taught to a driver that might be quick, but also needs to wow a commercial partner to ensure he can keep his job? So whether you're Scaifey or Brock or um, Lounsey or Mozzie, um or any one of the drivers in the supercars paddock, you really need to understand um, how this is funded and walk into those rooms and and give yourself to everyone there. I believe that's a big part of the game and a big part of uh, what we do. Uh, we're in entertainment after all. So um, being approachable and uh, someone that people can relate to helps, helps a lot. Um, so, you know, when you know you put the names up in the lights, Peter Brock and um, certainly Craig Lowndes, um, you know, and certainly Chaz Mostert, they have something that ingratiates them to not only the fans but their partners um, throughout supercars and throughout motorsport, and that adds a lot of value. So, not having both is not a deal breaker if you are not the most sociable, but you better be quick on the track. Well, I think we're all different and everyone has their own uh, strengths and attributes and certainly some people are extroverts and some people are uh, more introvert and they uh, they find that difficult. I think it's finding the right mix of being credible and um, you know being yourself in those situations. So I think people pick up on that. So, um, you know, Nick is one of those where he's um, – a great guy. When you get to um, know him, he's a um, you know beautiful person to be around the the team. But um, he might not be as extroverted as someone like Chaz, who dyes hair crazy colours and um, do a lot of things that might pick up a little bit extra um, fandom. But in that respect, I think uh, everyone's got to be true to themselves and be uh, who they are and and um, authentic to what they represent. What is Supercar's role? in promoting drivers, 
Mitch Robinson explains. That's <laughs> that's a great question. Um, I've been lucky enough to work with drivers who are very fast and then also have great uh, social skills. I think having um, both is a great combo. But yes, there are some that have migrated to the top and might not be as sociable in that respect, and um, but still gain the fan love and the sponsor um, support. Um, but certainly for us, for our team, we uh, we look at every aspect because uh, bringing personality and approachability to the fans and to everyone around um, is super important and we've been very lucky with our drivers. Bruce Stewart knows that supercars ask for drivers to show some personality. Sometimes when they do, the driver is fined and told to pull their head back in. Oh, well, there are there are athletes, right? I mean, it's no different to you know footy players or cricket players that are out on the field. Uh, there there are stars, and we also have the cars as well. But you know, the cars only show so much emotion, right? So it's you know having that more personal interaction and personal connection to the fans. Um, you know, when we go to different events where there's a hometown driver, there's obviously uh, an added value to any driver in that. Uh, and you know, they're at the end of the day, they they are regular people like you and me, right? So you, you get to have those conversations with them. And you know, we're fortunate enough to have that level of you know, engagement and uh, that ease of access to those guys and girls in the way that we do. But it's important for us to help us create a bridge for the, the average fan that's just watching on TV and may not even follow the category all that much that you know, then they can see a Will Brown on TV being a bit of a hooligan and think, you know, give a reason to, to like this guy and then want to follow this guy and eventually become a race fan and a fan of the sport and come to races, buy merchandise, you know, the list goes on. So it's, uh, yeah, we're just trying to make that connection. And, you know, like you mentioned, where I've been before, I've had a team where I've had four drivers or more uh, on a lot of occasions, and now I have 25 plus that um, you know, we look after at Supercars in, in terms of you know, just trying to help promote the sport, promote the profiles, and yeah, create a, a great spectacle for everyone, regardless of whether they're interested in watching cars going racing or if they just want to follow uh, an athlete that they find an interest in. So it's uh, yeah, it's a cool way to go about it, and it is a cool way to to meet and interact with some uh, pretty cool individuals as well. How does Supercars choose which driver they'll promote at which event? Do they only really rely on those top three or four drivers who are well-known? Mitch Robinson. It's uh, it's an interesting and it's a fine line, isn't it? particularly in the world uh, as it is now in professional sport, so that you, know, um, you want them to show uh, their true self and bring out the um, human side of themselves, but also you know, that fun... Um, but it can turn around on you, as, as you've indicated, you know, where uh, if things haven't gone as well on track or, um, you know, it goes a little bit too far, then people can turn on you pretty quickly. So it's a very fine line, very fine line. And um, some are very good at it and occasionally transgress it and uh, get away with it. And some uh, have to recognize uh, what they represent and, and stay within the lines, but still be um, authentic and be themselves. It is difficult though. John Ruggiero says the lack of personality in supercars is not unique. He sees it across all sports. Uh, well, it is it is circumstantial. So you might have times where, like I said, hometown races are, are usually a good draw for us. We talk about drivers that are from the area that, that we're racing in 
um oftentimes we have them that might be interacting with young drivers and, and carters in that area saying that oh i want to be you know the, the next declan frazier from north queensland to make it to supercars for example but uh yeah, at the same time, you don't want to overuse the, the big names that are at the top of the tree as well, because then it starts to become a little bit diluted. So you mix it, mix and match it. And you, know, you want to give everyone a bit of love because you never know. I, you know. I mentioned Will Brown as an example earlier, but he's someone who's gone from you know, mid-pack last year to being in the championship fight. So you never know when someone's going to make that step up and, and unlock performance in in their results and then become a household name. So Keeping everyone in regular rotations important for us uh, because we do have 25 drivers. We have 11 teams that you know, we do our best to help let the world know that you know, they're performing and they're competing. So it's uh, you know, it's a good thing that we get to have such a wide berth of people that we can uh, yeah make noise about. And also across the business world as well. Um, yeah, absolutely. Look at tennis. I remember growing up. You know, there was just it was just so much fun being very little and i remember jimmy connors was a character um you know john McEnroe. um they were trouble walking and that was so much fun um you know and as the years went on even you know i love watching pat cash and as the years have gone on um except for a couple like um um you know um uh, most recently um our australian tennis player um they've become quite conservative very safe the driver's value to a team is fleeting in 2024, more than a third of the grid will have changed their driving lineup. And with the number of cars dropping to 24, it seems that the ability to offer more than the picking up a trophy at the end of the race will become even more valuable to teams. The arguments and, you know, not many risky things going on. So I see that everywhere. I find cricket to be much the same. I mean, I love the characters that were coming through cricket in uh, the 80s uh, that I remember larger than life characters from different countries it was just so colorful who are also getting crunched through the increasing operating costs and the commercial world having more options for creating brand awareness we work with different talent across you know we've worked with chefs and we recently worked with billy brownless the ex-afl champion um and so they're all different um you know but ultimately you're looking for them to represent a brand uh, professionally so at the end of the day they've all got to be uh, able and capable of meeting the commitments delivering to camera being great with those those brands and, and delivering a great outcome no matter whether you're in motorsport that's all we have time for on this week's show the sandown 500 is on this weekend and two of the biggest brands in the sport craig lowndes and jamie winkup will be on track once again it'll be interesting to see if their involvement increases the public interest and engagement until next time round keep smiling and bye for now inside supercars is produced by thunder media tune in next time for more or lock in the podcast on your itunes or mobile device search inside supercars the views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited.